0: Hey, welcome to the show. It is podcast time. Today, I have Impeach 3, The Forest and the Tree, the final episode in this historic miniseries about the impeachment of the President of the United States of America. It's a pretty rare event, Impeachment, so it's cool to get a few shows down to document this place in history. Not in a dramatic way, though. Nothing overly stuffy. Just a quick podcast series to try to make sense of the whole impeachment affair. What the fuck did we all just live through? Hey, yo, what was that? Uh, In the first episode of the Impeach series, uh, I talked about the situation in Eastern Europe. We make benefit, glorious nation, Ukraine. Very nice. This impeachment was related to activities with the Ukraine. So it's good to have some understanding of the dynamics involved over there. Then episode two, I talked with Chris and kind of looked at the larger philosophical picture. It's great to get that perspective and speak about the nature of people in this highly politicized landscape that we currently all live in. So here we are now, the third and final episode in the series. Time to tie it all up because the matter is closed. As you likely know, the U.S. Senate has already voted, and the president was found not guilty. Trump was acquitted. And that's probably enough for a lot of people. We have the bottom line, so who really needs a show about all the details? Well, me. I do, because I'm totally down with the historic nature of these events, and I want to finish up the impeachment series, so I'm doing the show. If you want to listen, you're invited to stay tuned. All right, over to the lounge. How many people know what the articles of impeachment against the president were? Or how many articles there were? How many people even care? Seriously, is any of this stuff going to end up in a bar trivia game? I don't know. For the record, there were two articles of impeachment. Utah. Give me two. You may find those articles in House Resolution 755. That is a nine-page document, and the best source for it is, of course, Congress.gov website. As introduced in House Resolution 755, the first article of impeachment was for abuse of power. In summary, the allegation was that Donald Trump orchestrated a scheme to withhold funds from Ukraine until government officials announced they were investigating Joe Biden. The House manager's theory was that Trump had made a corrupt solicitation of the government of Ukraine that was intended to interfere in the 2020 presidential election. The second article of impeachment was for obstruction of Congress. In summary. The allegation was that Donald Trump directed categorical and indiscriminate defiance of subpoenas issued by the House. The House manager's theory was that Trump had instructed the executive branch to randomly discard House subpoenas. Those are the articles of impeachment. Article 1, Abuse of Power. Article 2, Obstruction of Congress. On February 5th, 2020, so a couple of weeks ago now, the U.S. Senate returned a verdict of not guilty on both counts. The votes were 52 to 48, not guilty, abuse of power, and 53 to 47, not guilty on obstruction of Congress. (laughs) Is that the case closed sound effect? I like it. All right, settle down. So, how did we get here? What in the heck just happened? Historically, impeachment has been a rare event. There's not a lot of examples to compare this to. I think most people know about Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon. Nixon resigned rather than face impeachment. Clinton was impeached by the House, but was acquitted by the Senate. So in one sense, Trump is similar to Clinton, impeached by the House, acquitted by the Senate. Did you know that both of them got the same total number of not guilty votes? Weird, right? Clinton, Trump, both had two articles against him and both got 105 not guilty votes across the two counts. Is that numerology? I don't know. But that coincidence is pretty much the end of the similarities. The Trump impeachment is way, way different from both Clinton and Nixon cases. How this thing was done in 2019-2020 is just a brazen display of politics. And it's worth doing a show just for those poli-sci aspects. The most notable distinction between Trump and the Clinton and Nixon cases is those most recent impeachments of Clinton and Nixon, they had formal investigations that resulted in formal charges. (laughs) Kind of a formal thing, right? Archibald Cox was the special prosecutor in the Nixon impeachment. Richard Nixon and associates were charged with burglary, perjury, and obstruction of justice. Kenneth Starr was the independent counsel in the Clinton impeachment. Bill Clinton was charged with perjury and obstruction of justice. However, in the Trump impeachment, the investigation was not done by an independent finder of fact. No, it was done by the Democrat-led House committees. In the Trump case, there is no specific statutory violation. The majority just released a report that declared Trump was guilty of criminal behavior. (laughs) Can you believe that? This impeachment is not the result of an independent investigation into actual crimes. Nope. It is developed entirely from a 658-page Democrat House Committee report. So badass. Uh, You may recall that Donald Trump was, in fact, investigated by an independent special counsel. Robert Mueller performed what some might call an extensive investigation we all remember Big Bob's big investigation, right? Well, Mueller time never came. Not for the president, at least. Bob didn't find a crime to put on the Don. There are no charges against the president that stem from that formal investigation process. Instead, this historic moment is brought to you by Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler. How can y'all love that? We've arrived at a really terrific place. It's now a landscape where extreme partisans on House committees can do tilted, home-brewed investigations, then forward an impeachment without a crime. I mean... It's such a glaring distinction that uh, whatever you think of Clinton, Nixon, as people, as presidents, when they were impeached, it was the process of an independent counsel investigation. And there were formal 18 U.S.C. statutory violations. There were charges against them for Trump. Not so much. It's investigators that are Democrats in House committees. And there is no crime, uh, not in a statutory sense. No crime. The House report, of course, addresses that directly, quote, Although President Trump's actions need not rise to the level of criminal violation to justify impeachment, his conduct here was criminal. The report goes on to say how Trump's conduct was kind of similar to bribery or maybe honest services fraud, but there have never been any actual charges considered under those statutes. Accordingly, the House managers simply assess that no criminal violation is required to impeach. They do take a moment to declare that the president's conduct was criminal, but they do it without any actual statutory violation. Neat, huh? I'm not going to extend the show to debate the nature of impeachment. There's testimony on that question in the Senate. Does there have to be a crime to impeach? It's not settled law, but I'm fine accepting that impeachment is whatever the House says it is. Ultimately, it's the people's house. If they want to do this wacky impeachment gambit thing, so be it. Obviously, we're starting to get detached from reality here. The Trump impeachment is not based on law or reason. It's a psychology test. Um, The call transcript with the Ukraine has been out for months now. I've heard it referred to as a Rorschach test, where you can see whatever you want in it. Project whatever hidden emotion you have onto this whole thing this entire impeachment seems like the majority party in the house taking an inkblot test and just running as far as they can with it. There are a lot of theatrics here. I mean, I'm sure there were theatrics in Clinton and Nixon as well, but again, the underpinnings of those cases were independent counsel investigations and legitimate criminal violations. The Trump impeachment just doesn't have any of that stuff. It's amazing, right? Let's check out Article 2, because it's also super kick-ass. Article 2 is obstruction of Congress. This is related to how the subpoenas issued by the House committees were handled. The allegation is that Trump directed the White House and other executive branch agencies to indiscriminately defy House subpoenas. I want to do a solid documentary show, and I welcome all earnest legal arguments, but this article is just bizarre. It's also disingenuous on its face. The White House counsel was not indiscriminate in how they handled the subpoenas. Their responses are in the record. It's also thoroughly briefed in the trial memo. If anyone wants to argue that the legal positions that were asserted by the White House in response to the subpoenas is faulty, that's a fair argument. But claiming that there was complete and indiscriminate defiance, that just is not true. And it's kind of a shame, really, because we're all denied a final determination. A court should have decided these issues. Not sure how many listeners are familiar with civil procedure, but what should have happened, in accordance with any normal process, is the House should have gone to court and got a ruling on if their subpoenas were, in fact, enforceable. This is not the first discovery dispute in history. I get that the stakes are way higher in an impeachment case, but the justice system is supposed to be blind, and there's nothing strange or unusual about non-compliance with a subpoena. Once again, we're getting pretty detached from reality here. It's really like we crossed some kind of threshold, and that's probably the great poli aspect to it you probably heard me say obstruction of justice in both the Clinton and Nixon cases. Obstruction of justice is a term that's been kind of cloudy lately. But when applied properly, obstruction of justice are overt acts like destroying evidence, tampering with witnesses. Richard Nixon was paying hush money to keep the Watergate burglary team quiet. Bill Clinton was rewriting witness affidavits and coordinating efforts to hide evidence. Legitimate. Obstruction of Justice, as defined under the plain language of the statutes, it's easy to spot. It doesn't require a leap of faith. However, here in Impeachment 2020, it's more like a pole vault of faith. The House wrote this Obstruction of Congress article. It's just so fantastical. and I'm not very interested in the Adam Schiff Traveling Carnival show, but I do want to discuss the actual subpoena arguments. Beyond the false claim that there was blanket indiscriminate defiance, there are actual substantive legal arguments here. I realize it's a super niche audience that would ever care about these things, but it's my podcast and I'll drone on if I want to. So let's run through obstruction of Congress and the specific issues related to the subpoenas. There are basically three buckets of subpoena denials. In the first bucket is the group of subpoenas that were deemed to lack authority. This is going to take us a bit into deeper weeds, but it's cool to talk about this kind of stuff. I want to start at the start just to make sure we're all on the same page, though. The United States House of Representatives has the authority to issue subpoenas as part of their legislative power of inquiry. That legislative power of inquiry comes with some limitations. In summary, the Congress's power to compel testimony is limited to only those matters which they have jurisdiction over. As you'd expect, what jurisdiction means has been argued quite a bit. The end result is the House does not possess a general power of inquiry. All the Lexus geeks out there, Westlaw, whichever you prefer, you know this case line, Kilbourne, Thompson, Eastland, McGrain. Congress has to have jurisdiction. They can't just randomly ask for your bank records, or cell phone data. There's no legislative purpose to that. Congress isn't a law enforcement agency. They don't investigate individuals. Except when the House uses its unique power of impeachment. That's right. If the House votes up an impeachment, they get some special bonus powers of inquiry. However, in the case of Donald J. Trump, the House seemingly claims that they could begin that impeachment proceeding via a press conference yeah in september 2019 you may recall nancy pelosi went to a microphone and said there would be a formal impeachment inquiry there was no floor vote no official action speaker pelosi seemed to suggest that she could validly initiate an impeachment via cnn the white house Counsel disagreed Their position was that all subpoenas that were issued prior to the official floor vote authorizing impeachment were legally deficient. If you're keeping score, Pelosi made her statements September 24th, 2019. The official floor vote on impeachment was October 31st, 2019. The committee activities during that time period are what's under dispute. At first glance, objectively, there is some logic to the President's Council position that if the House wants to use their special inquiry powers of impeachment, they need to go through the process step of actually voting to initiate the impeachment. House Democrats, as you may be aware, they chose not to go to court to try to enforce their subpoenas. For all the practical thinkers out there who are now saying, hey, just reissue the subpoenas now that you've had the floor vote, that cures any possible defect. Well, The House majority opted not to do that either. And that's bucket one. Subpoenas that the White House deemed effective because they were issued before the House voted to give themselves the legal authority to issue the subpoenas. Bucket two is the immunity bucket. The House served subpoenas on Trump advisors, and the President's Counsel replied that those individuals were immune from testimony. The executive branch asserting immunity from congressional subpoenas is not exactly a new or unusual thing. The co-equal branches are constantly trying to compel or prevent testimony. This shit has been going on for at least five decades now. White House counsel from both political parties have consistently argued that Congress may not constitutionally compel the president's senior advisors to testify about their official duties. I mean, there's huge amounts of case law and you can find examples everywhere you look. Ronald Reagan was constantly trying to block testimony via immunity. Janet Reno asserted immunity for immediate advisors to Bill Clinton. President Obama, you may recall, asserted these exact same immunities for David Simas to protect him from Daryl Issa. I don't want to be a scold here, but I do want to push back against political illiteracy. This is why an impeachment article that claims indiscriminate defiance is just so disingenuous. There is nothing random about the objections that the White House counsel filed in response to the subpoenas. These are highly contested areas of law, and the administration's trial brief is very thorough on these issues. Once again, the House majority chose not to go to court to try to enforce their subpoenas. There's no motion to compel, there's no hearing, there's no further argument. And it really is a shame because immunity is a fascinating area of law. The House Democrats could have gone and argued that the immunity is not absolute. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but there's an opinion memo from 1977 in the Jimmy Carter administration. Assistant Attorney General John Harmon opined on the applicability of executive privilege. The case law certainly favors the executive branch, but it's not impenetrable. However, the House Democrats just walked away. It's impossible not to start questioning the motives here. It seems that Adam Schiff's intentions were way more theatrical than legal. For whatever it's worth, immunity was fought viciously in both the Clinton and Nixon impeachments. Justice William Rehnquist wrote a memo in February 1971, the power of congressional committees to compel appearance or testimony. Rehnquist said, quote, "...the president and his immediate advisors that is, those who customarily meet with the president on a regular or frequent basis should be deemed absolutely immune from testimony compulsion by a congressional committee. End quote. The Clinton impeachment discovery fights were way more entertaining. Bill Clinton tried to block testimony from Secret Service agents by asserting something his attorneys called protective function privilege. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the Secret Service is going to be aware of certain encounters that the president has with certain interns, and the Clinton legal team didn't really want them talking about that, so they asserted the now famous protective function privilege. Yeah, the court disagreed. Judge Norma Holloway Johnson ruled that her court could not create new testimonial privileges. But that is the fun kind of stuff that you get when subpoena disputes are actually argued to their conclusion. I know, obviously the House Democrats had no interest in doing that here. But for the record, the second bucket were the immunity disputes. Third and final bucket of subpoenas are where House majority requested testimony but excluded agency counsel. Real quick, If you're not familiar with this beltway staple, the party that controls the House traditionally serves subpoenas on government employees and then expressly blocks legal counsel from those employees' departments. Why does that matter? Well, counsel for the agency is the attorney responsible for protecting privilege. If Jane Doe works at the FBI, she is not generally an expert on legal classifications, what can be compelled by congressional inquiry, and things of that nature so it's essential that the fbi have counsel present to assert privilege and object to inappropriate questioning so of course it is a long time sport in dc to call witnesses from the opposing party's administration and then try to block agency counsel. both sides do it um, in response to these subpoenas the trump white house counsel actually did something fairly clever They responded with objections that were written by Obama's administration in response to similar shakedown subpoenas that were issued by the Republican House. The Office of Legal Counsel under Obama's administration had written that any subpoena for testimony that excludes agency counsel, quote, could potentially undermine the executive branch's ability to protect its confidentiality interests in the course of the constitutionally mandated accommodation process, as well as the president's constitutional authority to consider and assert executive privilege where appropriate, end quote. Obama's administration were successful with those arguments. Of course, here in the Trump impeachment, the House Democrats made no attempt to enforce their subpoenas. Tell me if this sounds familiar yet. There's no motion to compel, no hearing, no argument, no ruling. And that's pretty much the story of Article 2, Obstruction of Congress. Or as the House managers say, quote, Donald J. Trump has directed the unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of subpoenas issued by the House of Representatives, end quote can't really escape how disingenuous this whole thing is can you i mean it's just it's purely theater um the house democrats do not have a valid independent investigation they do not have a statutory violation they attempt to start the entire process with a press conference they have no desire to even try to enforce their subpoenas i mean what do you want to do with this there's no way to take it seriously adam schiff and his crew wrote a fairy tale script It's apparently designed for people who believe that if their opinion of Trump is low enough, that in itself becomes evidence of criminal behavior. That's just a bit fucked up, but that's pretty much where some folks are at now. And Chairman Schiff knows exactly how to play to that audience. I heard some call him a virtuoso. From a political science perspective, what's the post-mortem on this? I mean, the Democrats knew that short of a miracle, they were going to lose the impeachment trial, and they still chose to go through the process anyway. So what might we say about that? Well, by choosing impeachment, the House Democrats did give themselves the credence of an official deliberation. Even though the accusations are purely political, and as I just walked through, some of it's pretty disingenuous the majority still is able to create an appearance of legitimacy. This is one of those places where the outright coordination with mass media apparatus is super helpful. When the whole WAPO, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC syndicate is also going to push and try and pass this off as totally normal, that is super helpful. But it just doesn't appear that there was ever any intention to actually win the impeachment. It does appear that the entire impeachment show was another battleground in this ideological war that we're all being put through. It was an action designed to harden divisions. You're either with us or against us. It is by any means necessary. And that is really unfortunate because as a society, we're not going to advance much by being binary-thinking tribal idiots. At the margins, it does look like the impeachment hurt the Democrats, if you can trust any of the poll numbers anecdotally, it does appear to have worked in the sense that it hardened the base. I'm in no hurry to get to November. When we eventually arrive, we'll be able to look back and see what, if any, effect this whole impeachment gambit had. I'm not sure anyone's really going to remember or care to get into it at the granular level, but there was some highly questionable shit going on here. The way the House Committee majority managed witnesses had testimony in a skiff, without cross-examination, then selectively leaked portions of testimony. They withheld some transcript, but not others. It was a due-process circus. I won't belabor that point, but I will say that by not attempting to enforce their own subpoenas, the House essentially attempted to transfer the burden of investigation and compelling testimony over to the Senate. Naturally, the Republican majority Senate, they weren't going to do that. That wasn't going to fly. I guess maybe there was some hope that the media pressure and the whole let Bolton testify hashtag was going to move the needle. I don't know. But I do know that in the end, because the Senate declined to call witnesses, it can now be argued that the Senate was really the entity that denied due process. Like the House is now let off the hook for not pursuing their own subpoenas because it's the Senate's fault. They could have done it. I'm just not interested in going round and round on that. If this was a legitimate process, there would have been a full and complete record by an independent investigators. There would be actual statutory violations. There's none of that stuff. So go round and round, whichever way you want. It's all an inkblot test. There's nothing tangible about this. It's whatever you want it to be. I'm not sure that's the design of where impeachment was supposed to go, but this is where we, as a society, have driven it. This is what we want, apparently. This is what we want our House of Representatives to do. This is how we want our Senate to act. This is the individual we want to have as a president. Oh if you want to be super cynical, the piece is fit. This really looks like what we are. A fucking dysfunctional mess from top to bottom. So, let's own it.